KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. So I don't personally use Tinder. I'm kind of old school and think dates should happen organically and with some degree of serendipity, like meeting someone at a park or a grocery store or something like that. The thought of swiping right or left on humans I've never met before really makes me cringe. But a lot of single people love the convenience. I was just sitting there burning some time on, on Tinder, and I saw her profile, and I saw that she was from Mexico, and I had never dated anybody that lived outside the country. This is Matthew Farrell, and back in 2018, he was living in San Diego when a girl from Tijuana caught his eye on Tinder. I liked her profile, you know, she was really cute in the pictures and everything, and I thought we had a few things in common from our profiles. You know, she liked coffee and books and Marvel movies, and so I figured it was worth a cup of coffee to swipe right and start talking and see where things went. The girl Matt swiped right on was Ana Bolena Valenquela Garcia. And in case you don't know how Tinder works, to get matched, the other person has to swipe right on you too. It was a long weekend for us here in Mexico. It was a holiday, so I really spent almost the entire weekend swiping right, left, right, left, until I saw his face. Neither Ana nor Matt were bothered by the fact that they lived on opposite sides of the border fence, even though a cross-border relationship was something totally new for Matt. I had actually never been to Mexico up until I met Anna. Since some dating apps like Tinder use proximity to match people, here at the border, it's not uncommon to get matched with someone who lives on the other side of the wall, a wall Tinder doesn't see. The dating app has been making cross-border matches for a few years now, and that's pretty awesome if you think about it, because it's not just happening here. Cross-border couples are being matched at other borders across the world, too. It's like Tinder has become this accidental diplomat, a digital ambassador advocating for a border-free world and borderless relationships or something. It's pretty punk rock, and I love it. It makes me wonder how many binational babies are out there because of apps like Tinder not recognizing the border in their algorithms. From KPBS and PRX, this is Port of Entry, where we tell cross-border stories that connect us. I'm Alan Liliental. Today, we're going to tell the story of two cross-border couples who met through smartphone apps and how the binational connection has shaped their lives in unexpected ways. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. For Matt and Ana Bolena's first date, Ana crossed the border to San Diego and Matt took her out to a nice restaurant. Matt says he liked Ana right away. She's got this great laugh and a great sense of humor and we, we do have a lot of things in common and have very similar temperaments and it was just kind of this 
this nice change of pace from what I was used to um, dealing with, you know, dating online and everything in, in San Diego. And there's a lot of people that are very superficial, and Anna was not that. But Anna, she didn't feel the same. To me, it was kind of different from all the things that he said. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the first day he spent almost the day talking about concrete buildings and drawings. The entire day was watching his, uh, his clock. And uh, for me, it was a no for a second day. Ouch. Matt does work in the construction industry, but it's probably not a good idea to nerd out on concrete buildings on first dates. Anyway, it took some convincing, but eventually Anna gave in and went out with Matt again. And this time she invited him to her side of the border. And Matt, a guy who grew up just a short drive away from Mexico, he had never been interested in crossing before. He was excited that he'd get to see Anna again, but also super nervous about going to Mexico. Terrifying. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, growing up in Southern California and kind of suburbia and seeing all the headlines about how Tijuana is the murder capital of the world and if you go down there, you're going to get mugged or, you know, you're going to get thrown in prison or the cartels are going to come after you. And uh, she wanted to take me down to Valle to go check out one of the wineries. And so, you know, I just kind of took a deep breath and jumped in my car and went across the border and it was terrifying. But at the end of the day, you find out that all of those things are untrue. And we had, you know, this amazing day down at the winery, and it was a really cool experience to have. And maybe it was all that delicious Valle food and wine, but this time, Anna fell for Matt, too. And it was a fairly quick romance from there. Two years after that second date, Matt and Anna moved in together, south of the border. So yeah, that guy the one who was totally terrified of crossing the border, he now lives with Ana in Tijuana. The couple's love has just completely changed his mind when it comes to Mexico. He loves it, and he's even learned to appreciate the differences. You know, there's there's no running water for days on end sometimes, and um, the first the first month or so that I was here, that took some real getting used to. And now I know that if we have running water, I should not take it for granted. But as far as, you know, being in a different country, it's not that much different than where I was in San Diego. I grew up in Riverside and in Southern California. And so a lot of that Mexican culture kind of bled its way north and vice versa with it bleeding south. And so um, I, I think we had more in common than we didn't being able to grow up in such close proximity to the border. You know, we're, we're both down here and just kind of trying to build a really strong foundation. She wants to go back to work. And the plan is to for me to move down here, save up some money and get an okay place up in San Diego and kind of move back up once we're in a position to be able to do so. I'm really happy the way that things are right now with our family. She's waiting for a ring. She's waiting for a ring. I love you too, babe. (laughs) 
In a time when we've had a president whose main battle cry has been to ignore the commonalities of people along the border and instead push to build a big wall to block off Mexico, it makes me think of Tinder love connections like Matt and Anna's as, I don't know, maybe small and unintended but powerful acts of political defiance. It's like Tinder is melting borders one match at a time. The internet, technology, apps, all of it can be very heavy and unhealthy. There's Twitter trolls and doom scrolling and YouTube-powered radicalization. But especially now with the pandemic and people being told to stay at home and away from each other, it's also become an incredible tool for connection. And these cross-border connections that have grown from these digital paths crossing, I just really love it and hope to see more of it. But here's the thing, when an international border is involved in a relationship, things don't always go so smoothly. Two lives don't always melt together so easily. My name is Daniel Campos. I'm from uh, Mexico City. My name is Erandi Bravo. I'm from East L.A. <laughs> Meet Daniel and Erandi, a cross-border couple that's still working hard to weave their lives together. First, Erandi and the life she used to have in L.A. I was raised in a city called Monterey Park near East L.A. My dad was on the radio. He was actually a very successful uh, MC on the radio in, in Los Angeles. And then my mom worked for Mexicana Airlines. Like her parents, Mexican immigrants who came to the U.S. before she was born, Erandi was also able to build a successful career for herself in Los Angeles. She was kind of a big deal chef. I started working for a restaurant called Border Grill in Los Angeles, which is two very famous chefs, uh, female chefs. They gave me an opportunity there to make like tortillas by hand. I learned a lot about kitchens and stuff. Erandi eventually launched her own catering business and was so successful, she even catered an event for none other than Dr. Dre. This was a few years ago, and Erandi was at the top of her game. But like a lot of ambitious ladies, she wanted to go even further. So to keep upping her cooking and catering game, she traveled to places all over the world to study food and get inspiration for new recipes. And it was on one of these research trips that her life path, seemingly laid out in a fairly straight line, started twisting and turning in directions she never expected. So flashback to a few years ago, Erandi was in Mexico City on one of her food scouting trips. And using the app on her phone, she dialed up an Uber. And she got in the car with her mom and her grandma who were there with her. And the driver, Daniel, kept glancing in the rearview mirror at her. Erandi noticed. I was talking to my mom in English about needing a mechanic and, and stuff. and. I, at that time, lived in L.A., and he's like, hey, you know, sorry for being nosy, but my dad is a mechanic in L.A. I live here in Mexico, but he's in L.A., and I can give you his information. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, once he dropped us off at my cousin's house, 
I was like, I know this is so unprofessional and I'm so sorry. I know you're working right now, but I'm going to be here for like another two weeks. Like, would you mind sharing your phone number with me in case you don't have a girlfriend? Like, maybe we can go out or if you do have a girlfriend, maybe I can use you for like Uber services. (laughs) That's a little odd, right? Hitting on the Uber driver. But something powerful was clearly going on between these two right from the start. Did either of you have any idea, like, when you met each other, did, could, did you feel, like, the strength of the connection? Or was it just like, oh, let's see what happens? Like, did you, did you feel like, oh, wow, this is going to be something? He's crying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, I think that we, we really did. And that's why I asked him, you know, for his phone numbers. And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> But the rest is not exactly the history Erandi and Daniel wanted, because the border between them is still causing problems. We'll get into those problems after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. So I need to tell you a little more about Daniel. When he was a kid, his parents got divorced, and Daniel's dad ended up leaving Mexico for the U.S. and taking Daniel with him. Me, papa, my dad take me to um, United States when I have, uh, I think, like, like seven years. I was back and forth to United States and uh, United States or, or to Mexico City. Daniel's dad didn't go through the proper immigration channels, so Daniel grew up undocumented in Los Angeles. But that fact actually didn't impact him too much because his dad opened an auto shop. And that's where Daniel worked after graduating high school. Daniel says he made good money and was living a pretty good life. But then in 2011, Daniel drove to San Diego to help a friend move. They rented a U-Haul and ended up getting pulled over by Border Patrol. See, Border Patrol's jurisdiction stretches 100 miles from the border. So if agents have what's called reasonable suspicion, they can pull you over pretty much anywhere in San Diego since it's so close to the border. The border patrol asked me about my license driver or my ID, and then, well, no tenia, I don't have it with me. And then, well, the, the border patrol take me to the jail. Daniel's mom was still in Mexico City. So rather than put up a fight to stay in the country, he chose what's called voluntary deportation. Voluntary deportation lets undocumented people like Daniel leave the U.S. at their own expense. It allows them to avoid most of the immigration consequences that come with being deported through the official channels. Daniel thought he'd just go live with his mom in Mexico City, and then after he straightened things out, he'd eventually come back to the U.S. But Restarting his life in a country he left when he was seven proved to be a lot more difficult than he thought. And he really missed the life he had to leave behind. That was horrible. It's, 
I don't know. That was the... No estaba listo, nada. Tenías una novia. Tenía, yeah, tenía una novia. Tenía una novia y tenía un perro. Wow. En mi vida era bien, no estaba, estaba perfecto. Mi papá es, es mecánico, en los, él tiene su propio taller en Santa Mónica y trabajaba con él. Era, me pagaba bien, no, no hacía falta nada. Era una, eran, buen, eran buenos tiempos. Things were not going well for Daniel in Mexico City. He was barely getting by. He says it was hard for him to find a job that paid well, and he was barely able to pay rent and feed himself. He says he was depressed and in a really dark place. Until he met Erandi. It was Father's Day 2017. Daniel had scheduled himself a day off. But something inside of him made him change his mind. So he got up, got in his car, and drove to a touristy neighborhood in Mexico City where you can make good money driving for Uber. And that's when Daniel and Arandi crossed paths. There was just like a strong pull between us both. And from that moment that he dropped me off and gave me his phone number and I kind of just tested it out when I got upstairs, he didn't stop texting me the whole day that he was working. And then the whole days after that, after he would be done doing Uber, he would come pick me up from my cousin's house and take me sightseeing and stuff. So I think that there was definitely a lot of attraction. And even in the just the few days that we were together, when he dropped me off at the airport, we were already both, both of us, we were just like, oh my God, like how, you know, we just met and we're like so attracted to each other. So they were attracted to each other enough to start a long-distance relationship. But the relationship didn't actually stay distanced for long. Daniela Nerandi told us their love was just so magnetic that they couldn't stand being away from each other. But remember, Daniel had immigration issues to work out, so he wasn't allowed to cross back into the U.S. to be close to Erandi. So Erandi came up with a plan. Welcome to Tijuana. Erandi thought Tijuana was their ticket to being together. We think of Tijuana, about Tijuana because it's gonna, you know, Los Angeles and Tijuana is close. She told me about Tijuana. I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to change my, my life for you. And so with just a few short months of dating behind them, Erandi and Daniel gave up the lives they had and started a new one, together in Tijuana. And, and moving to Tijuana, I understand you, you gave up your career. Yeah, sure yeah, I gave up my catering company completely. I stopped helping uh, one of my really good friends with his company. And yeah, I, I pretty much gave it all up just to kind of come here and see what was going on. Once I decided that I was going to stay here and that I, I, you know, I really did love Daniel and that we were really going to do this together, I just started looking for work in San Diego as a cook. And there was a restaurant that I worked for in L.A. that actually also exists in San Diego. So I was able to kind of get in with that job. But it's nothing like having my own business. You know, I was kind of just an employee again for somebody else. It was a big risk that I had to take, but I think when there's like true love or 
what we have, you know, it's a sacrifice. You sacrifice a lot of things sometimes to get to the other things that you want. Because at the end of the day, you know, after having success and having money, what do you want? You want a family, you want kids, you want the dogs, you want the house. It's been a few years since the couple moved to Tijuana, and Daniela and Erandi do have all that stuff now. I'm sure you've heard the babies in the background by now. We have the house, we have the dogs, we have the kids, we, we have the, you know, the beach two blocks away from where we live. Pretty much everything that I, that I wanted, I have now, you know? That's awesome. But there are still a few big things that are not awesome. A few problems keeping this cross-border couple's happily ever after just out of reach. These problems mostly have to do with kids. Because Erandi, she actually has another kid from a previous relationship. She got pregnant when she was pretty young, so he's a teenager now. Just about ready to graduate high school. And Erandi brought him to Tijuana to live as a family with Daniel. But the teenager was just not feeling it. He lasted only a month. He really did not like TJ. Not that he didn't like it because of what it was, but because he had his friends and he had his girlfriend and he just wasn't really willing to try the whole border crossing on a daily basis to go to school or homeschooling. And, you know, it was just like uprooting him at that age was going to be too difficult. Randy misses her son a lot. And then there are the new babies. Erandi recently gave birth to her and Daniel's two sons. They were born just 15 months apart. She went to a hospital in San Diego for the deliveries since she works in the U.S. and that's where her insurance is. But Daniel, he had to stay behind and watch one of the most important moments of any father's life through FaceTime. No, es, es increíblemente fuerte, no... Te sientes como una basura. Yo me sentía así, yo decía, ¿por qué? ¿Por qué de ahí esa, por qué esta frontera me está quitando la, la dicha de que todos los papás pueden estar con ella cuando, cuando nacen tus hijos? Estaba en videollamada, estábamos en FaceTime, esa vez, cuando él, él, cuando él estaba naciendo y es, es horrible. My mom, uh, she was the one that was holding the phone. <laughs> and then, you know, she's like an older lady, so she didn't know how. So she was like recording herself. And I'm like pushing and Daniel's telling her, Senora, you have the phone to your face. Turn the camera around. I can't see anything. I can't see anything. Senora, voltea la camera. So I'm like pushing and I grab the phone from her and I switch the camera around and my doctor's like, focus and I'm like I'm sorry but my husband couldn't see you know so uh it was really sad it was really sad that he didn't get to be there in those few moments of of the baby's life I didn't want to get off of the phone with Daniel on FaceTime because I just wanted him to be a part of me holding him and him kind of looking around and, 
you know, the first time he was able to like breastfeed with me and and changing him. And when they give him a little bath, like we were basically on the phone the whole time on FaceTime when I was in the in the hospital. It was beautiful and sad at the same time. So Daniel didn't get to meet his first son in person until four days later, when Erandi was finally able to leave the San Diego hospital to drive back home to Tijuana. When I see him for my first time, oh man, I was crying. <laughs> I was crying like crazy. Um, I was amazing. I was really amazing. I can no podía creerlo. I was I couldn't believe it. I can't believe it, yeah. That was probably one of the saddest things I've ever it was sad that he couldn't be there because it was his first child. It just the fact that the border was what was, you know, blocking us from from being able to just be a family, a normal family. We're you know, we're not trying to cheat the country out of anything other than have that experience where he can at least just be there with me and then we come home again, you know? As hard as being separated by the border during the births of their two sons has been, there's actually one more thing, una cosa muy grande that's still really bothering Daniel. Like a lot of people, he recently lost his job because of the pandemic. So now he's a stay-at-home dad, and he's really struggling to adjust to his new role. Soy la mamá de la casa. Tengo que trapear, tengo que hacer la comida, tengo que ver a los niños. Familia moderna, familia moderna. Familia moderna, sí. Erandi es el papá porque tienen que cruzar la pobre todos los días y la tenía que dejar a las 5 de la mañana en la en la garita para que pudiera pasar a Estados Unidos y... Look, I, I get it. Daniel is a Mexican man, which, if we're talking in big, sweeping stereotypes here, means that he's locked in this intense battle with his inner machismo. It's just super hard for Daniel to feel okay with his new reality, even though Erandi says she's totally cool with it. I definitely don't feel like I'm more than him or anything like that. I just know that that's how he feels, you know? He's a great dad. I don't even see my friend's uh, husbands be the way that he is with our our kids, you know? The way that he is so willing to, you know, do things. I don't have to boss him around. Uh, in Mexico, they use that word like mandilon, you know? Like that I'm bossy and he just does whatever I say, but I don't have to boss him around. He just knows what our home needs in order for it to flow. And so without asking, he does those things and we have this flow. And I think that that makes me appreciate him a lot more. It really makes me admire him. It's like a whole other admiration I've never had for any other male I've ever been with. So the couple feels like for everyone to live happily ever after, they need to get Daniel's immigration status straightened out as soon as possible. Ideally, they want the whole family living together under one roof in L.A., where Erandi's teenager is currently living with his grandma. A year ago, 
Erandi and Daniel had planned to start the process of hiring a lawyer and getting Daniel's immigration status fixed. But then COVID happened. So all that stuff is put on pause. Yeah, unfortunately, we haven't been able to start the process of, of getting his paperwork other than me and him filling out and getting like, you know, copies of our birth certificates, passports, all the things that they kind of asked for for the pre-application. Uh, right now, because of COVID, things are now going to be backed up for like another year. So what would have been two years wait is now going to be three. Dang. Yeah, it's a, it, it kind of sucks. So we're considering Canada right now. I think we have better luck uh, moving to Canada. And maybe that way we'll have, he'll feel like he's uh, contributing to the household equally like I am. There are thousands of families separated by the border, but unlike Erandi and Daniel, they aren't able to figure out a way to live together. And it's incredibly hard and stressful. After something like a deportation rips families apart, a lot of couples can't handle living apart for so long and are forced to just sort of give up, get divorced, move on, say goodbye. And yeah, Erandi and Daniel's situation isn't perfect. I mean, they might have to move to Canada before they can be truly happy and together. But at least for now, Erandi and Daniel were lucky that they were able to figure out a way that most of their family can be together. Like that first couple, Matthew and Anna, Tijuana is giving their relationship the room it needs to grow. And to think, these two love stories just started with an app on a smartphone. Disparate digital signals that crossed paths and resulted in powerful and life-changing binational relationships. I love her, Andy, for everything. She, she's the best, how do you say, uh, mom, uh, the, best, the best mom. Es la mejor mamá, creo. Es, es, Erandi, Erandi, amo Erandi por su ser, porque ella es uh, una persona muy abierta, muy, no tiene frontera, es una persona muy agradable, un poco despistada, pero amo todo lo de ella, no, no puedo decirte, sabes que a... Uh, no tengo un específico decir oh me gusta todo completamente estoy enamorado de ella Next time on Port of Entry, we continue our series on cross-border love stories with a former Tijuana booster who's grappling with his relationship with the city. I think that for things to change, there has to be public outcry, and I don't see the public outcry. Why aren't people upset about this? Why aren't people upset about this? I don't know, man. 
Maybe I'll give up and go live in Chula Vista and be in this lake and go to Walmart and whatever, right, Alan? It's a tale of two cities, San Diego and Tijuana, and a common existential crisis triggered by living at the border. Port of Entry was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Alisa Barba is our editor. And hey, if you're listening on NPR One right now and you have yet to take the next step in our relationship, take a minute and click on the Port of Entry logo on NPR One. Then hit the plus button and click on follow this show. I'm Alan Liliental. Thank you for listening. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.